Welcome to the Wellness Empowerment Project. I'm Trish. And I'm Julie. We are two nurses exploring holistic healing and wellness practices to empower you to be the leader of your own health. Join us as we try out new things, or as we call it, weird shit, and have some fun along the way. I'll be talking with Julie about her deployment, how she emotionally disconnected to survive, and her courageous journey back to finding herself. Julie is a big believer that changing your daily habits changes your daily life. She blends her over 25 years of experience in the military and as a registered nurse to empower the perpetual doers and overthinkers to harness their strengths and create their own journey of transformation. Welcome back to the Wellness Empowerment Project. Thank you all for listening to our first episode. And we thought we'd go a little bit deeper and maybe a little more formal in today's episode. So you get to hear a little bit more about our own personal journeys and how we became leaders in our own health and wellness practices. So Julie, I'd love to actually hear a little bit more about your own personal journey because I don't think we've actually had that conversation before. Hi, Trish. Yeah, so my own personal journey into really looking at my own wellness and healing journey, I would say that I really did not think a lot about my own wellness journey, so to speak. Um, as a, As a young nurse, I felt like I was pretty well educated and I exercised, I ate pretty well. I felt like I was pretty well set and did not think a whole lot outside of traditional medicine as to how to take care of myself. And I, I took care of some pretty sick patients. Um, and so I think that when you're in that space, you tend to look at yourself within the frame of how you compare to the people that you're taking care of. And you're like, okay, I don't have hypertension. I don't have diabetes. My weight is well controlled. I get up and I go run a few miles several times a week and really just kind of was going along, uh, feeling pretty good about my own health until probably after I went on deployment to Afghanistan in 2007. I was an army reservist and um, I got called up to go overseas. I was a new mom, so I had two, two sons. And when I got the notification that I was going to deploy, my sons were not quite one. Well, the initial call was actually when, when my second son was about six weeks old. And then we started the training um, and work towards mobilization, but I was not on the primary roster at that time. And so he was about 14 months old when I was officially notified that, yes, I was going to go overseas. They were one and three when I left. So off I went and really 
just went through that whole deployment. (laughs) And when I got back, I was really struggling with reintegrating back into civilian life, back into my civilian work, also reintegrating with my family. And I started to have trouble sleeping while I was on deployment and started on sleeping medication while I was there and just had a lot of anxiety, hypervigilance, claustrophobia when I never really had that before. Also, you know, returning to civilian work, found myself professionally bored after being in such a, I'm not sure what the right word is, (laughs) chaotic, adrenaline rush environment for such a period of time. So that was that was a transition for me, really, to start looking at how I could heal myself. Being a critical care nurse, I didn't put a whole lot, lot of stock in um, going to a psychiatrist. I felt like I could kind of grit my teeth and get myself through. But there was a lot of not just anxiety, but I felt like physically I could tell something was different. It wasn't just that I was crazy. I hate to use that word, but that was really, I felt like I was on the verge of feeling crazy, which is a very non-medical term. And it was terrifying. But I also felt like physically there was something different about myself after going through such repetitive traumatic experiences for a year. So out of desperation, I decided, okay, I need to go and get some help and process everything that I just lived through. So I really did not want to go on any medications. And that's where I started to look into other ways of controlling my thoughts and controlling my anxiety through breath work. That was really the beginning for me was breath work. And then I would say the next major thing that kind of came along was somebody had introduced the concept of the Whole30. I don't know if you've ever done Whole30, but a Whole30 is where you do like an elimination diet for 30 days. So there's no dairy, there's no processed foods, there's no sugar, no alcohol, no grains, and no snacking between meals couldn't chew gum. I felt like the initial breath work helped me kind of control certain symptoms when I came home. And that was like step one. And then there was a group of us at work that said, oh, let's try this weird thing called the Whole30. So I did the Whole30. My husband and I did it together. And that was really the next step that showed me like really the impact of food in my diet and how I felt physically and also just my sleep and overall energy. So I was like, wow, this is really, I never realized how much brain fog I had until I actually started to take things out of my diet for a period of time and really started to move into experimenting with a lot of different things that are a little more woo-woo. 
So I think those two things kind of launched me into how I wanted to approach my own health and not necessarily go along with traditional aspects of health because I don't have any kind of like disease process or illness, chronic illness. And it's been more about how can I just improve my overall wellness so that I don't get sick. That makes any sense. Yeah, no, it really does. Because I think what you're you're really talking about is you were more interested in a more of an optimized wellness. You wanted to live and be in the best health you can. So your your view of health, I believe, is very much expanded from what the view of health is in the allopathic system that we're currently in. Uh, it's very much the absence of disease. But I think, you know, as you said, we could have an absence of a formal disease process and still not necessarily feel the way we want to feel because we know that we can feel different. We know we can feel better. I know you touched on obviously some pivotal moments, uh, but I wanted to go back. That must have been a lot to be a young mom with some very young kids, even knowing that you were likely going to be deployed. Do you feel like you were possibly already in some sort of survival mode before you got deployed and the deployment maybe just almost like capitalized on how you were already feeling, but maybe you just weren't aware at the time? The short answer is yes, because when the call came out, it was all volunteer. And so some of my close friends asked me if I was going to volunteer. I had been in the army for like 20 years at that point. No, 15 years, 15 okay. or 16 years at that point. Sorry, I can't math. You know, and after 9-11, you, you do a lot of training and it's like, okay, I've done this for so long and now it's finally time to go do it. But at the same time, as a new mom, I didn't feel right leaving my infant son. So it was like, well, if I am meant to go, then I will be going. What I didn't anticipate was the reaction of so many people around me that felt very unsupportive. When I started to tell people that I was on this potential list, the immediate response was, I could not do that. That is horrible. You shouldn't do that. How could you leave your children? And so I already had this push and pull feeling of, I have a job. I have a duty. This is something I've trained for and I kind of want to do. And then I have my children and the expectations and the frame of being a mother and being a woman and what those priorities should be. And so it was very divided. Now, when my husband deployed, it was a very different response for him to go. It was, oh, yes, go do that. Go do your duty. There was never any question about children or, you know, whether or not he was a good father. And so there was little things that were kind of slid into those conversations about being a bad mother. So I just felt very uh, conflicted about going or not going. People even said, well, you should just get pregnant again. Then you don't have to go. That didn't feel right either. And it I got to the point where I had to say to people, don't say those things to me because I'm going. I have to go. 
and it's really hard for me to leave my babies. But right now I just need the support so that I can do this. So if, if you feel that way, just don't say it around me. So yes, there was some things that were brewing, I think, as a result of those conversations and that conflict of whether to go or not to go that probably escalated those anxious feelings leaving. Oh, sure. And then, you know, you were still a young new mom. So you're already navigating a new path. Being a young new mom already has its own struggles and challenges trying to figure out how to do the best for your kids, even on a basic level, right? With the food, with what they're teaching, what they're learning, what they're experiencing. And then you're throwing this whole other tailspin on top of it. And I think it's interesting that you really did point out the um, the differences in people's reactions. You're you're clearly part of you know, a military family. It's a military relationship. And um, when it came to taking action and stepping up to the plates and continuing the duty that was essentially both signed up for, your husband was very much welcomed and supported to do that, even though you are definitely not new to the military. But what was asked of you, people did not have that same reaction. And I think that's just very telling of our culture and how we have these almost, I want to say unsaid, but I feel like we say them just in different ways. We have these unsaid expectations for women, but they're said, so they're always in a conflict of each other. We want to be independent. We want to be leaders. We want to be able to have it all. We're told we can do all these things, right? We're told we can be the mom and we can be the career person. But then when we actually have to make a choice, even if it's just the temporary time frame, there's a lot of resistance and pushback from people that may not have that same choice, but also aren't even in the same position either. Yes, I think that whole experience really highlighted so many different complexities to how people feel about women in the military, motherhood, and women in combat. I was deployed to a far forward base, so I was really in the thick of it. And there was a lot of different pieces that came out. You know, when I left, my husband was the poor man. How are you going to survive and take care of these children without your wife here? And People were very supportive of him. They washed laundry for him. They sent dinners and meals over. Like they, all the things that I think that when somebody deploys are needed, you become a single parent essentially all of a sudden. And so having that extra support is very wonderful. And so I was certainly very grateful that people stepped in and supported my husband while I was away, because I think he needed those things. Yeah. I mean, he, he certainly figured things out and he took great care of our boys, but having that support was really so helpful. Now, jump four years later, he deployed to Afghanistan and I was pregnant with our third child and it was a very different experience. It was basically just expected that, well, this is your job as a mom, as a woman. So I did not get the same support from 
friends and neighbors that he received. People didn't make me meals. They didn't come do my laundry. We had a big snow. Nobody came to help shovel the walk while I was, you know, with a six-week-old baby. So, you know, it's just kind of interesting to see the different dynamics around men and women. And that just really highlighted that for the both of us. <laughs> yeah, I, I think what's really come out is that, at least in your experience, it's just very clear the the difference in people's responses and the difference in support that you each received is practically a night and day difference. And I almost kind of wonder too, do you feel like how you handled the fully meant would have shifted if you actually had support before you left? It would have been difficult no matter what, right? Being a young mom with the kids and being away from your family and in that environment. But I'm wondering, and I'm wondering if you do too, if you'd be in a different mental and emotional state, if, you know, you felt like you had a lot more support before you went over there. That's a really a hard question to answer because I know that I had a lot of those questions and concerns myself. And so when I had conversations with people, it was like they were echoing back what I was already saying to myself. I don't know if that would have been more helpful or not, but it, it got to the point where I was like, I have to stop these conversations and I have to stop asking myself these questions to myself, the decisions made. And so I just have to move forward and be strong and get myself to a place of strength when I leave so that I am in a good mental space and I'll be able to take care of myself as best as I can so that I can survive this, <laughs> survive this deployment and come home and be here with my family. So that's where I finally got myself to like, okay, I need this boundary. Looking back, do you feel like you were uh, putting that boundary in place, not just for others, but with yourself? Because you always had to put your emotions aside so you could just focus on that task at hand. Yes. Yes, I had to do that. And I think that served me while I was away. Rather than go into a tailspin around different things that happened while I was there, it was like, okay, I have to shut that out so that I can keep going and, and doing my job and performing. And I think that helped me survive the situations, but it also delayed my processing of a lot of the traumas that we saw. And so after I got back, it was like, okay, now it's time to deal and process everything that just happened. And I don't know if it would have been better for me to try to process it while I was there. Or if that is even a realistic expectation that you could have on yourself. So I think that that's just how it went with me personally. I've got to the point where it's like, don't look back. This is where you are now and, and look at where you are in the present so that you can move forward. Yeah, because we don't, for all we know, right, our body and our mind it could have been protecting ourselves, right? Bring it down for that time just to, for the protection and like you said, like, we'll, we'll deal with it when, later or when we can. Yes. And I think that there is a, a real aspect of what you experience in life emotionally manifests itself into your body physically. I didn't really understand that concept during that time. I just knew that I could still feel things, experience things physically after the fact, after that major trauma. And 
I had to figure out ways to process that differently and kind of release it from myself physically, if that makes sense. No, it does. Those emotions do sit in your body. And I think that's part of our own healing journey is figuring out how to release them. So I, I do know you're a big runner. But what other, I guess, the question I'm thinking is, is that when did you realize you had to start to release these emotions from your body physically? What did you do? What did you try? What made you feel like something was more effective than the other? I think it took me a while to figure that out. I went through counseling through the VA to transition back into civilian life. And that was probably about six months of therapy. And then I put myself back in therapy when my husband deployed and I was pregnant. A lot of things that I thought I had dealt with and moved on from came back due to that stress and realized that there was still much more work to do. Memories are really powerful. So I could kind of pull, if I think about certain situations from deployment, I could smell certain things again. I could feel certain things in my hands. There were times when I felt like I was back in that hospital in, in Afghanistan, just like the feeling of the room and the sounds and things like that. I could pull that back very quickly. Um, I felt like I could still feel certain things, and particularly in my hands, which is kind of interesting. You know, as a nurse, you can be very intimately tactile with your hands with a patient. So I felt like there was just a lot of energy and memories that just sat in my hands. Yes, running has always been a big part of my life. And while I was away, I ran a lot to relieve stress. When I came home, when I ran, if I ran over certain terrain, like rocky terrain, that would pull me back into that state, into that place, because our base was not paved. It was dirt or it was rocks. So even though I didn't have any traumatic experiences while I was running, for some reason, that also kind of pulled me right back into that headspace and pulled me back into memories that would bring up a lot of anxiety. So I had to actually, as part of my assignments from my one counselor, was to run over rocks purposely to kind of go through some of those memories and reframe them in a way. So I think that was one of the initial pieces of me trying to release certain things because I would always feel it in my hands again. Like I could feel certain patients, different ways that I took care of them would kind of come back into my hands. It's kind of weird to explain. I don't know if I'm explaining it correctly. No, it sounds absolutely fascinating. And I actually believe and understand what you're saying though, because we do carry so much energy. And for you, it, it was really just coming back into your physical hands, like your senses were, were magnified. Yeah, that was one of the things that I really had to focus on early on. And it was trying to reframe the memory associated with that while I was running over rocks, so to speak, <laughs> because that was one of the triggers that would bring it back to me. I had learned about shaking. I don't know if that's the proper term. But I found it really fascinating that 
when you look at animals who go through something, they'll shake. They'll shake their entire body and they release energy. Humans can do that too. That was something that I also would do um, when I could feel myself getting tensed up. If I could find a, a quiet private place, I would go and take a minute and shake, you know, where you ground your feet and you just kind of shake your body to help release some of that energy. I felt really weird doing it. I thought, this is just some weird shit. Like, what, what am I doing? Like, this is not normal. And I didn't really like that I was trying to find these weird ways to just live my life. But at the same time, I did not want to go down the rabbit hole of taking medications. A lot of the nurses that I deployed with, they were struggling with their own transitions home. There was a few that um, were suicidal, attempted suicide. They had gone down that path of medication and, and things like that. And I just thought, I don't know if that is the right choice for me. I don't know if that is something that I want to do. It's not that I don't believe that medication is appropriate. I think there are times when you definitely need medication. I just wasn't sure that was the right path for me at the time based on the providers that I was seeing. And so I, I just had this instinct that, one, I had to process what I experienced. I had to grieve so many different things. I had to have faith that I would not break as a result of grieving and releasing. And I had to find my own path. And if that meant that I had to do weird stuff like sit down and meditate or go into another room and shake myself off, then that's what I got to do. Thank you, Julie. You have such an amazing story. And I really just wanted to highlight that you listened to yourself and you trusted yourself. And that is really what I would say spearheaded your journey is that you were willing to take some different steps than what was maybe typically given to you as a standard of practice or a standard of care. And instead you're like, no, I'm going to listen to myself and I'm going to trust myself and I'm going to not be afraid and hit into some uncharted territory. More than anything else, you gave yourself grace to keep showing up and to keep at it. Because we know this was not a quick process. This wasn't something that we worked through in six months, one year, two years. I'm sure it was multiple years. On some level, I think we're probably all have things that come up that we didn't realize that we needed to deal with. Well, the other thing was, as I started to kind of look around and research, some things were grounded in research. And I thought, there's a lot more to this woo-woo stuff than I ever thought. And there's some research and there's some things that there isn't. But I feel different after I do some of these things. And I feel good and it's not hurting me. So why not try some of this <laughs> weird stuff? And also, it's kind of fun. <laughs> it's kind yeah. of fun to go out and explore. I'm fascinated by what are some ways that me as a regular person can do things in my life that just makes my life better. 
makes my health better and gives me a different perspective. So some of it, I wasn't really sure how it was going to go. I always enlist my husband to try some of these crazy things with me. And he willingly comes along. So we've done different elimination diets. We've done celery juice. We've done fasting. We've done cold therapy. There's just a lot of different things. And some things we were like, uh, I don't know if that did anything except for, you know, just some weird GI reactions or whatever. (laughs) But it's like, okay, you know, I don't know if this is something I'll do long term, but we tried it. All right. Time to move on. (laughs) That's the next thing. I think that we've developed kind of a, a humor about what are ways or what are some things that make you feel good and what are some things that you can just release and and keep going. And it brings a little bit of a lightness to how you're approaching your health. Also, some things that I found amazing, he didn't. And some things that he was like, oh, yeah, that's pretty great. I was like, "Eh." you know, that also shows that each person is unique physically. So it's going to be a little different depending on what you try. And you're the expert. So... Thank you, Julie. You have such an amazing story. And I really just wanted to highlight that you listened to yourself and you trusted yourself. And that is really what I would say spearheaded your journey. You're the expert in your body. You're the expert with your emotions. And you're the expert in your own health and wellness journey. Yes, 100%. Thanks for joining. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow, subscribe, and share with a friend. Want to learn more about a specific topic? Drop us a line on our website and we can explore it deeper with you.